Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the May issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled, AI Season is Just Around the Corner. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by the co-authors, Steve Niemeyer, who's a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator based at Burwell, as well as Dr. Casey McCarthy, who's a University of Nebraska Cow-Calf System Specialist. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Aaron. Well, as we record this podcast, we're sitting here in early May, and for those who have a early calving season, they already might have been using AI, especially on heifers, but for many other cow-calf producers, AI season is just around the corner here. Remind us of some things we need to be aware of, make sure we're up on before we get engaged in this year's breeding season if we're utilizing AI. Well, yeah, Aaron, some of the calving herds are starting to gear up for the breeding season. You know, like you said, the early season ones, a lot of people are AI in their heifers first. A little introduction and some of them, they'll be using the breeding season as natural service or artificial insemination. Some people do both. And in the recent survey, uh, about 84% of the herds uh, use natural service with only about 10% using AI and exposure to bulls. The implementation of estrus synchronization has the potential to shorten your calving window, concentrates labor, uh, allows for more uniform management of cows, and can create a more uniform calf crop. Artificial insemination allows producers to advance the genetic merit of their herd, which might reduce the number of bulls used during the breeding season and can increase weaning weights if that's what they choose. And when combined with estrus synchronization, it can shorten the calving season. Back to the preparing the cow are some things that you might need to be thinking about for your breeding season, which includes uh, making sure the cows are being in a positive plane of nutrition, uh, have a good year-long mineral program to meet any deficiencies in the herd. And then cows, we'd like to have them like in body condition five to six. And then maybe have an inventory of your supplies, especially with the drought now, uh, you need to have your uh, feed supplies on inventory so you know where you're at. And make sure you might work with your veterinarian to make sure you have the right uh, protocol on pre-breeding vaccinations and herd health. So those are just some of the things that you might want to be thinking about uh, getting ready for your breeding season. Let's talk a little about just the nutritional status of those cows and those heifers. We sure want them maintaining condition. And if possible, actually there's some advantage if they're gaining weight right prior to and through the breeding season. One of the things in the article you mentioned that I think is really important to think about is what happens right after breeding. So if we're hauling those cattle to pasture or or maybe they've been in a dry lot scenario and now we're taking them out to pasture, that window of time right after breeding, one to four days after breeding is probably a safe time to move them. After that, probably to our best if we wait 35, 40 days. Talk through a little bit with us why that's important, Casey, and why we might want to think about the management that we have right after breeding. Absolutely. So when you think about moving cattle and, and breeding season, uh, there, there's a lot of moving parts, right? And so um, what we need to keep in mind, and you mentioned it, Aaron, is that short window right after breeding or waiting. And so when we think about uh, the period of time of 
recognition of pregnancy, that's going to be established around day 16. And so we can see an incidence of early fetal loss if we are moving and or stressing those animals out during that time frame. So generally, um, with some of the research that's been out there, waiting and or moving uh, shortly after breeding is, is highly encouraged to help reduce some of that early fetal loss. When we think about transporting or moving some of our large groups, again, making sure you keep stress down. Um, if you're working uh, when the temperatures are starting to increase a little bit, I encourage you to work maybe in those morning um, hours and or um, later evening when things start to cool off. So we're not working those animals during the heat of day um, and, and stressing those animals during those working conditions. There's one other aspect now with this drought, though, when you're got your so much with AI and synchronization, you're on a schedule for help and all that kind of stuff. And we usually try to move right after we we're done AI and, you know, to pasture. And this year could be a different situation on how you handle this, too. So we may have to take some gives and takes on when you go to pasture because of the drought. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Steve. And there are places in the state that are starting to get some moisture, which that's very welcome. But there's other places where you're going to need to think about delaying turnout on grass just because there's not much there. And so thinking about when you take cattle to pasture, making sure there's adequate nutrition there. And also if those cattle have been on a dry lot diet, especially if they've been maybe on a limit fed diet that was high in concentrate, thinking about things like corn or something like that. And now you're transitioning to more of a fiber-based diet going to pasture. That's going to require that animal to adjust and can be some nutritional stress there. So just some things we need to think through, think about the logistics of what we're doing this year and how the drought might uh, change or impact that. Yeah, and the other years, maybe the cow-calf pairs while you're getting ready for AI and we're already on some cool season grass at home or something. And, but now this year, they're still on that winter diet. And guy, what's going to happen is you'll probably end up just taking them right to grass. Yeah, I sure think that through. Understand where you're at. Think about the implications of that. And, you know, sometimes we're in a scenario where you can't do what you'd like to do. You got to do what you have to do. So uh, we sure understand that. But just being aware of that, we're, we're thinking through. Uh, some of the implications of the current scenario we're in this year and how that might be different than a typical year. Dr. McCarthy, you mentioned uh, thinking about, you know, ester synchronization. Uh, let's talk a little about selecting an AI protocol. Where can folks go to find more information about that? Where would be some good resources to just be aware of all the different protocols available and which one might best fit them? Absolutely. So when we think about ester synchronization, um, you know, the goal really here is to bring our cows into heat at the same time. And so we may be targeting uh, maybe our heifer group, maybe our late calving group, um, or maybe the whole group in general, you know, cows and heifers. And so there are a lot of different protocols that can fit each operation. It really depends on your, your breeding season goals, uh, you know, calving season goals and, and goals for the operation and ultimately the facilities that we're working with. And so, you know, there are a number of different protocols that have been researched and um, utilized in a number of different situations. And those resources can be found at 
the beefrepro.org website. And our, you know, beef website also links to those resources. We have a number of different resources linked in the article as well, talking about some different estrus synchronization protocols for heifers. When you think about uh, where, where we might be feeding those females. So if we're working with heifers in a dry lot, there may be opportunities if equal consumption of maybe an MGA product. So that's an oral progestin product that's fed. There's opportunities to, to feed that, to wait that 19 days after that 14 day initiation period of MGA, and then can utilize time day I or heat detection with that. There's a number of different one-shot or cedar protocols that are going to help synchronize those females for heifers and for cows. And so there are a couple of different protocols that are more targeted for heifers versus cows. I mean, a lot of research that's backed those and the success of those protocols. And so highly encourage anyone use the Beef Repro um, and the task force website. I mean, we have a number of articles there's a great review in our March issue of the uh, Beef Watch newsletter this year that Aaron, you put together that I think does a really nice job of taking people to the, to the resource page at beefrepro.org. Um, we have some older uh, webinars thinking about improving conception rates. And then the one really good tool that I use, I use it in class, um, and I, I definitely uh, want producers to be aware of it is the estrus synchronization planner. Um, and that was developed and is maintained by the Iowa Beef Center. It is a free Excel spreadsheet tool and it provides an opportunity for you to enter the products, the dates, um, and the protocols that you'd like to use and, and spits out a really nice calendar of events uh, with clear details on the protocol. Uh, what products need to be administered when, and then when you may heat detect or AI um, those females. So I think some really good protocols on selecting and thinking about protocols. And then also another really good resource, if we're thinking about cost and benefits for AI versus maybe natural service or a combination, the UNL website has the breeding cost calculator which is also another Excel spreadsheet tool uh, and really breaks down the calculations for cost and value uh, between AI and natural service. And so depending on some strategies and goals for implementing estrus synchronization, um, I think those are some really good tools that we can be thinking about, you know, and capitalizing on some of these reproductive technologies. Anything else on this topic today you think would be of value to producers as we look forward to the AI season? I was still thinking about your equipment, you know, safety, you know, not every producer may know how to AI. So you might have to have some help and people working with you, uh, make sure you have uh, good facilities. That's one thing. And make sure you try to have low stress animal handling procedures when you're working with cattle. Yeah. I think uh, to add on to that, you know, understand what equipment needs to be available um, and understand that depending on each protocol, a uh, number of times through the shoot is going to vary depending on the protocol you choose. Um, and so understanding what help you have, how many times those females need to be ran through the shoot for shots, 
will all be really important. And then having, having the crew there available to think about what needs to be done in terms of getting um, AI guns and, and semen handled appropriately, making sure that you have um, somebody recording the information there that's going to help identify which bulls were used with which cows or heifers and, and being able to track that. Because I think um, at the end of the day, uh, when we think about capitalizing on AI or even just thinking about maybe one shot protocols with bulls, we really are thinking about capitalizing on having more calves born early in the season. Uh, we want to, to keep cost and labor and, you know, and facilities pretty simple and or more cost effective in terms of time and labor. And so how can we think about some of these protocols where we can capitalize on some of those benefits that Steve mentioned earlier, but also think about how we can think about the longevity of our females um, and increase that profitability over time with retaining females that are born early, um, that cycle early and, you know, and resume estrus in appropriate time frame. Uh, for breeding season. So I think there's a lot of value in understanding which protocol is going to work. And, you know, if you have questions, um, you know, happy to talk through those different protocols and what may be of, uh, of value for your unique operation and situation. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. But for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. The title of the article that we discussed today, AI season is just around the corner.